Okay, let's continue in Mesilat Yesharim, but really we're beginning, we're in the beginning of Perek Aleph, we finished the Hakdama, the introduction of Mesilat Yesharim, and Perek Aleph, we began the first few lines, we'll read them again briefly, Yesod ha-hasidut v'shoresh ha-avodah ha-temimah hu shi-yitbarer v'yit-amet esel ha-adam ma-chobato be-olamo ul-ma-sarich shi-yasim ma-bato u-me-gammato v'chol asher hu-amel kol yeme hayam Of course, the acronym with which it begins is the name HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Yod Ke Vav Ke at the very beginning. But essentially what Mesilat Yesharim, what Meram Hal is, is describing and setting forth for us is the uh, general perspective and direction of human beings, more specifically, What is it that is our objective? What's our obligation in this world? Because to live in this world and to be doing what you know you should be doing, but without understanding why you're doing it, is to be qualitatively and altogether different than a person who has that direction. To know what direction you're working in and you're walking in, as opposed to just walking and maybe uh, sometimes getting the darts uh, hitting in the middle and other times not, is an altogether different direction in life. It has a direction than a person who doesn't have that direction. That's yesod ha'hasidut v'shoresh ha'avodah. That's the foundation of, of piety, it's the, uh, the roots of avodah, of true worship of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Just to this time period, uh, liken it to this time period, it's during this time period that we're oftentimes thinking about uh, the, the characters uh, which the Hachamim, which the Gemara Masechet Rosh Hashanah, Dav Tetzayin, describes the Sadiq, the Rasha and the Benoni, who are all Nichnasim Ladin, we as a nation are entering into Din, into the judgment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu around Rosh Hashanah time, Till Kippur, and we're hoping, of course, a designation as Sadiq. But what is it that a Sadiq, a Rasha, and a Benoni are truly? How do we define a Sadiq, a righteous person, a Rasha, a wicked person, and a Benoni, an in-betweener? So the Harambam, following what seems to be Peshat in the Gemara, and Perigimal of Teshuvah, describes it as a number, a number that's difficult and impossible for human beings to determine of righteous deeds as opposed to wrongful, uh, you know, uh, sins. As Harambam Sadiq is a person who has more ma'asim uh, tobim than uh, those which are ra'im. And Rasha, the opposite of Benoni, is somewhere in the middle. And the Ba'alei Musa and the, the Ba'alei Mahshara of the, over the course of time have always questioned the difficulty in maintaining that we can fluctuate within a second between being a rasha and a tzaddik. It's almost inconceivable that I can go from being, quote, a rasha who has death prescribed for me to being a tzaddik in a second because I did some good deeds, because I, uh, in a moment, awakened myself to uh, putting myself in the right direction, in the right uh, uh, situation to do something differently. Can it really? Do we really envision uh, a system of God as uh, so easily fluctuating from one side to the other? Alternatively, the suggestion of many is that these characters describe not just the amassing numbers in that respect of my deeds, but rather a midash banefesh. And a midash banefesh means a character which is a part of who I am. It describes who I am in a parv situation, a situation where my society, where my community, where my life is not pointing me in one direction as opposed to the other. 
What would you do in that circumstance? Which way would you turn? So the Sadiq is the person who would turn in the proper direction. The Rasha would be the one who would turn in the opposite direction. That's not to say that the Rasha hasn't been living his life entirely uh, by doing ma'asim sadikim. In other words, he's been doing very righteous deeds. But ultimately speaking, his heart, his soul is one which is not purposed in the right direction. Why do I mention that in this context? Because this time period, a time period of Teshubah, is a time period during which we're looking to shift perspective. Mesilat Yesharim begins by describing perspective. That's what it's all about. The question is, What are you purposed to be doing? What direction are you headed in? Uh, just a few days ago, it was the first day of school, and I was teaching the 11th grade boys in my, my pep talk, positive or negative, I think these days they'll say it's negative. Once upon a time I saw it as very positive, was now you have to gear up for a year that's going to be rigorous. The Gemara you've learned until now was preparing you in ninth and 10th grade. 11th grade is the year in which I'm expecting you to come in with basic skills and we're going, I'm going to push you to your limits and so forth. There were two boys very honestly who spoke up in front of the class and said, but we're not certain. We weren't in this class in the past. We're not sure if we're up for this. Listen, we really want to learn, Rabbi. We're really, but maybe we're wrong. This really happened just a few days ago. And my response, and this was and ease. This was a, a so this was a lob over the plate. In other words, this was a layup for me. I said, but the fact that you said we really want to learn, that's all I needed to hear. In other words, if you know if you're ready, if you have that growth perspective, if your direction is one in which I want it and I know what I want, so maybe it's been that my acts, my deeds have been altogether different. Maybe my context and my uh, situation has affected me one way or another. I haven't been in the right class the last two years. I haven't built for myself the right surroundings. I haven't developed myself in the appropriate way. But ultimately speaking, if my direction is one in which I know so I've effectively hit on I've been able to at my foundation, at my source, at my roots, affect myself with regards to where I'm going, who I am. It's for that reason the Gemara has in Masechet Avodah Zarah and elsewhere, you have these circumstances where a person is evil his whole life, the Gemara describes a person who's been sinning, not evil per se, but sinning his whole life, and then in a moment they're uh, awakened to a reality of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a proper direction, and they die with that, or they die shortly thereafter, and they're merited... The world to come, says the Gemara. How do you explain such a thing? You know, you and I, I hope, have been spending much, if not all of our lives, in working toward this olam haba perspective and direction, whether and how we describe this olam haba as separate entity, a part and parcel of who, but ultimately speaking, we've been walking on this path which we've been attempting to uh, trailblaze or walk uh, behind others over the course of our lives. This individual, within a moment, was able to effectively merit world to come, unless perspective was affected within that person, and they're qualitatively a different person. There the Sadiq continues with Misilat Yesharim, and he writes here, Ha'amiti ha'idun ha'gadol, 
שיכולים להימצא. ‫אז מסילת ישרים, רייט רמחם, ‫אור חכמים זיכרונם לברכה. ‫אתם לא תמצאו את זה ‫בטרדישיונל רבינית ליטרטור. ‫זו פרספקטיבה של אריזל, ‫שהפרפס של קריאשן של אנשים ‫זה להתענג על אדוני ‫וליהנות מזיו שכינתו. ‫זה להתענג ‫לרוב בנפט ופלאז'ר ‫מהפרזנס של הקדוש ברוך הוא. ‫שזהו התענוג האמיתי, ‫זה תענוג עונג, ‫והעידון הגדול, ‫והגדול והגדול עידון. ‫אלה מילים עונג ועידון ‫הם נראות מאוד מאוד And perhaps elsewhere, there's a, there's a basic and important distinction to be built between the two, uh, to be uh, set uh, between the two. Idun is milashon edim. Edim we know from the Torah, gan be'edim mikedim. We also know that word from elsewhere. At the beginning, uh, at the beginning of parashat vayera, Sarah was laughing and she says, Ahare beloti hayetali edna v'adoni zaken. Her wording is uh, one in which She says, Hayetali Edna. Edna, Eden over there means that she has, she's no longer having her regular menstrual periods. Eden is a reference to the source. Oftentimes when you hit the source, so there's a certain excitement, there's a pleasure, there's a desire to get there and to arrive. That's Gan Be'edin Mikedin. When we talk about Eden, we're talking about the Makor, the source. Uh, Oneg is the direction to that, as a matter of fact, in Tikkuni Zohar and elsewhere, Oneg is an acronym of sorts to Eden, Nahar, and Gan. The Pasuk says that from Eden, there was a Nahar, a Yotzei Eden, and it was Mashket, the Gan. So the Gan, so to speak, is where we, maybe a little bit removed from that, are residing. And then there's that Nahar, which leads forth from Eden, from the source. Which means to say, when we piece the two together, both Eden and Oneg in our own lives are circumstances wherein we understand tapping into reality, being able to connect to something which will give us that existential pleasure, It'll give us uh, the, uh, the desire that we're so uh, seeking. Uh, that, that in turn is, is to a certain extent when we describe Shabbat as being me'en olam haba, and Shabbat is v'karat ala Shabbat Oneg, Oneg is Shabbat. Shabbat is me'en olam haba. It's a circumstance wherein we're able to tap into the direction to what I truly want to be situated in. Now that's Eden. Eden, to a large extent, is where matters stop. Once I've hit the Ziv HaShechinah, growth is a lot more difficult. The world within which we, we live is one of Oneg, in which we're striving, and we have those moments of And so you'd say to me, but it's grueling and it's difficult, but I think we can all appreciate, as you're on your way to your first million, every dollar that's made is exciting, there's a pleasure, there's a desire, there's something that's satisfying in each dollar. So every word of Torah, every perception of God, any connectedness in this world, but I haven't gotten up to Eden, but there's an onig that's to be perceived and to be achieved in each of those. Okay, so says uh, Ramchal, says, ultimately speaking, we're working toward and we're seeking in this world and certainly in a world to come, this onig and idun. Umekom ha'idun hazeh be'emet, and again, he uses the word over here, idun, the place where you'll truly find idun, hu ha'olam haba, that's in the world to come, to believe for any moment as if in this world we'll be able to achieve the makor, We'll be able to tap into the source 
is to be deluding yourself. That's in Olam Haba. Kihua nivra bahachana mitzarechad adavar hazeh achaderech kedel hagiya umechotz chavzenu zeh hu zeh haolam, the direction, the way to achieve this Olam Haba, which we'll need to refine and understand, is of course this world. Vehu mashe amruzal, it's the statement of the hachamim in Pirkei Avot, haolam hazeh domeh lifrozdor bifneh haolam haba. This world is like a a hallway leading to Olam Haba. You're to envision it as a traklin, as a, as a palace of sorts. And then there's the hallway. The hallway has only the necessary lighting. The hallway doesn't have seats and stools in it. The hallway you're supposed to use as a That's way to pass corridor. through. A corridor. Same idea. Hallway, yeah. corridor. But the idea being, it's not an auditorium, it's not even a foyer, it's certainly not a living room, it's a place for movement, it's a place for moving in a direction, passing through certainly with a direction and perspective of where I'm headed, but the stopping is inappropriate there. When you're in, uh, I don't know, 34th Street, once upon a time at least, and you stop in the middle, you're getting trampled. The street over there is a prosdor. I don't know between what and what, but that's the point. Was in truth the words Eretz and Shemaim, where we envision, you know, where we envision this Olam Haba, Shemaim, Shemaim Ladonai. The words themselves, to a certain extent, suggest this Eretz is Milashon Ratz is Risa. There's a certain movement toward, and Shemaim is where Shemaim. We're envisioning there the perspective of where it ends. One is a world of movement in direction toward. And Shamaim is where it ends. Vahaim Sa'im. Hamagi'im et ha'adam la tachlit hazeh. Hem hamisvot ashe sivanu alehen ha'elit barach shemo. He says the emsa'im, the, uh, the, the mechanisms through which we get through this prosdor, through this corridor, toward the Shamaim. Uh, toward Olam Haba and this Idun Ha'amiti is the mitzvot. And to a certain extent, he's answered his question. So his answer is at this point to fulfill the mitzvot. He'll get a little bit more expansive in just a mo- moment, but at this juncture, it's the mitzvot. Now, before we get to the moment ahead, let me ask you it right now. Mitzvot are fantastic. Mitzvot are what we're about. Is mitzvot everything? What about everything in between? What about all those moments where there's not a mitzvah to be fulfilled? So I said, but I'm thinking, what he's going to, without saying it explicitly, lead us into, in just this short passage in Perek Aleph, is the following realization and reality that he sets forth for us. And that is that the mitzvot are to be the bedrock and the lenses through which we see life. So it means if I take a mitzvah, which, if done appropriately, is transforming a physical world and giving it meaning, it in turn has implications to anything and everything I'm doing. So it might not be a moment which is absolutely ripe and appropriate for performance of one of the 613 mitzvot, but by means of that perspective of that world which I've constructed through performance of mitzvot, a world in which it's no longer just a coarse reality of the physicality, but I found within it the inherent nature of godliness. I mean, that's after all what berachot are. Berachot, leave mitzvot aside for a moment, berachot is being able to find within my pleasure, seemingly physical pleasure in this world, the opportunity to tap into something above 
the physical. So that's what the mitzvot are to a large extent as well. The only place to perform mitzvot again, it's done over there. Aretz is the Risa, that's where you perform the mitzvot. Alken husam ha'adam haonam batechila, Says the only way to achieve Olam Haba is through performance of mitzvot ba'olam hazeh. Elsewhere, Mesilat Yisharim Ramchal will articulate this concept in two ways. First and foremost, he quotes the Talmud Yerushalmi, which talks about this famous Nahamad Kisufa. Nahamad Kisufa in Aramaic would be translated as the bread of shame. Says Mesilat Yesharim, why doesn't God just create us Shilemim? Why aren't we born a complete? Well, why use mitzvot in order to envision and find that spirituality in my life? Why not just create me in such a fashion? He likens it to a person who's given bread without having paid for it, without having worked for it. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. I'm accepting alms for nothing that I've done. I, I, I wasn't a part of the process of this. I didn't pay in order to achieve it. That's embarrassing. In order to have a sense of achievement and accomplishment, there has to be this olam, ha, olam hazeh, which leads me to that. Furthermore, to describe us as human beings who have an independent reality, he writes in Derech Hashem, means that we are born incomplete and we sought and strove to achieve completeness. If we were born complete, it's a little bit of a philosophical notion, if we're born complete, it means we're attached already to God. It means He's the one who crafted us and He's the one who put us in our place. It's connected to the past one, but instead of giving the emotional side of the shame and embarrassment, it's describing if you want to have a certain sense of independence, something haram bam talks about all the time. If you want to mimic the way of God, you need to build an independence. So then you need to achieve shelemut. You need to be performing mitzvot. You need to be refining your ways in this world. That's the only way to do it. So sure, you could be born into an olam haba existence, into a gan eden existence, but you as a human being, as a personality, won't be able to achieve your maximum in such a circumstance. In truth, that's probably the Torah's vision of the rebellion of Adam and Chabad to get out. They don't have the opportunity it's to achieve Shalemut. There's nothing that they're working toward. There's, they're in Eden already. But, uh, there, but there was room for... There for, has to be at all Eden. times a certain certain room for some growth. Otherwise, you're not a human being at all. It. But they couldn't accept it as all they wanted, something along those lines. And it was too much of a challenge, whereas outside the challenge was much more real for them. It's that statement of the Hachamim Masechet Eruvin, that it's in this world we do the mitzvot, and in that world that we are rewarded for it. Says Mesilat Yesharim, if we look further at this matter, now he's not going to go in a different direction, but he's going to add a, a layer of depth to what he mentioned already. So again, what's our purpose? What's the perspective? What we say? Mitzvot. Why mitzvot? Because we're mitzvah alehim. Why mitzvot are mitzvah alehim? In order to achieve, in his words, this olam haba, which is beneficial for us. He says, well, let's look a little bit more into this. He says, true shelemut, truly being complete, means cleaving, means being davek 
to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What sort of notion is that? Well, first and foremost, when we talk about cleaving to something, we usually think about the physical world. I say, I'm connected to you because I'm holding on to you. Uh, detach yourself from the physical world. Think somewhat theoretically. Think in the uh, hypothetical world. How are two things connected one to the other? And I'm next to a doctor. It's a little intimidating, but I'm thinking for in the moment, you know, on the, on the chart of elements, as I recall, it's been a long time. I remember uh, my, my teacher in, in ninth grade explaining to us that they're broken into different sections and they're uh, kind of connected to each other because they share specific attributes with one another. It's not that they're connected physically one to the other, but they share attributes. So you, you these are that group, and then there's another group, and another group. We do that with human beings all the time. We say those people are connected to each other. How are they connected? They have the same political party. They have the same religious denomination and so forth. That's the connectedness. As a result, the dvekut that he's referring to over here, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is not that I'm physically holding on to him. It's that I'm mimicking his ways. It's for that reason that the Midrash has, the Midrash Halakha has, Udov Kabo, had he cleaved to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he's after all, Esh Ochela. The answer is, you mimic his ways. Mahu So his description then, in this next line is, if you're seeking true shleimut, true completeness, so you want to be connected to the source of completeness. Who's that? HaKadosh Baruch How are you doing that? Through mimicking his ways. How do you mimic his ways? Well, you find them in this world. You find them in the Torah. The truth is there are statements of the Hachamim. For example, Atidin Sadikim Shenikra'in al Shemo Shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Gemara Masechem Bavabatran Daf Ayin He has that in the future the righteous ones will be known by the name of God. That's an amazing statement. But again, it's the same group. We're going to get grouped with God. The Gemara has elsewhere. Selem Elohim means we have the potential for it. Do we achieve it in reality? Vayikra lo el Elohe olam. It says by Yaakov Avinu. It's a hard pasuk to read, but the Hachamim in one interpretation has Vayikra lo el is a reference. Who's that Kale? Yaakov Avinu. He's known as the name of Hakadosh Baruch Hu because he's been grouped together with him. That's the Vekut. At its finest, there's a passage in Zohar with regards to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai along those lines. It's, a, it's, a, a, it's, it's, it's one that has all sorts of controversy related to it, but that's the proper interpretation to that passage. To envision one of the hachamim as achieving the name of God means we are envisioning them, we're understanding them as someone who's lived up to the traits as we know them of godliness. It's not an easy thing to do. The Gemara Masech Pesachim and Dafkaf Bet, for example, has how Shimon HaAmsoni, uh, says the Gemara Be'esh Omrim, or Ikade Amre, Nehemiah HaAmsoni, one of the two rabbis, used to be Doresh every time the Torah says Et, Aleph Taf. He had a derasha that it's coming to include something ad until he came up to the pasuk of et Adonai Elohe Chatira. He didn't know how do you include something with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And says the Gemara, then he abstained and he took back all of his derashot on the word et. Every time it says Bereshit Bara Elohim, et Hashemayim, et Derasha and all of them. He got up to et Adonai Elohe Chatira. He abstained. His students said to him, You're abstaining now? We're in Devarim Perek Vav. What about everything until now? Keshem Shikibarti Sachar Ala Derisha, Kach Kabel Sachar Ala Perisha. I was rewarded for everything I did until now. I was, it was a valiant effort. But now that I realize, now I'm Model, I admit, I can't pull this off, so the whole thing falls, says the Gemara, until Rabbi Akiva came along and he was Doreshit. Et Adonai Elohe Chatira, Lerabot Talmide Hachamim. 
Uh, what's the statement? It's, it's coming to include the the Talmidei Chachamim. The vision, as I understand it, is Talmidei Chachamim. Maybe not the Sadikim that we're referring to over here, but Talmidei Chachamim are, are working toward it. That's each one of us on our way, on our pathway to achieving that likeness with God. Well, we're included together in so some nice because Rabbi Akiva, Sansa. his first forty years of his life was a different was not Rabbi Akiva. So it fits into that point of what you earned and how you progressed, and he. Really, really, he's the example that was able to to bring out Talmidei Chachamim because he was the one that came. He wasn't always a Talmid Chacham. He didn't grow up with Talmidei Chacham. Rabbi Akiva through his life, as I say, from the beginning. That's Avodar Binatan, where he sees the uh, the water dropping into the stone and, right. and is is uh, into the rock and is is inspired by it. Through the end, where his students die, and he has twenty four thousand students, he has the opportunity to hang up his cleats and say this was a failed mission. He's the one who's always pushing forward, who always says there's opportunity, there's something to achieve. But in our context, again, the way in which I envision devekut, shlemut, completeness, is one wherein I'm mimicking the ways of God. That is the moment in time at which you look, uh, you know, I told this story actually, President of Yeshiva University was uh, in the Knis this summer, and I was sitting next to him during uh, the beginning of Tefillah at Hatay, and it was a time when you're allowed to talk. So I told him the following story. He didn't know if I had any YU connections. I told him my son, I pointed to my son. I said, My son grew up in Yeshiva University. He said, What do you mean? I said, The first six years of his life, that's all he knew. We prayed in the Bet Midrash. That's his, everything was in the Bet Midrash. So I said, you know, As a matter of fact, when he was four or five years old, he kept asking, Where's Hashem? I want to see Hashem. That's my son. You know, it's a holy guy at a young age. I want to see Hashem. And then one Friday night, so we were in the YU, base managers, the Ben Midrash, he said to me, I found Hashem. I said, I'm fine, I don't know Hashem. He said, no, I told you, I've been looking for I found him. He finished, he said, I'm going to show him to you. I said, okay, cute, whatever. We finished Tefillah, and we were walking in front of the way it works over there. So you finished Tefillah, at least it used to be. Friday night, you walk to the front of the Midrash, and you say, Shabbat Shalom to the Rashi Yeshiva who are present. And he pointed to, it doesn't matter which one, one of the Rashi Yeshiva in front of me said, there's Hashem. I found you. See, that's Hashem. It's an amazing story, in my opinion. First of all, okay, he saw someone with a white beard in front of the room. It looked like, you know, that's the vision. But I, th- I wonder if a child's intuition, he felt within that person a certain sense of godliness. He saw their ways. He saw the appreciation that we have for people whom we see as, quote, mimicking the ways of God and seeing godliness in them. Mars, you'd be able to tell me, but he told me he's going to use that story in his Shi'ud Pitiha in Yeshiva University. I don't know if he did this year like the president does a Shi'ud Pitiha. He said he was going to use it. I didn't hear back from him, so I assume he didn't. But it's a pretty good story. And certainly in this context, I mean, that's that's what we're describing. To come to Shlemut Amiti means Devekut Boyit Barach, which means I look at you and I say, oh, you embody the ways of God. David HaMelech is saying, what's complete, what's good for me. Kirvat Elohim, that closeness to God again, appreciating and acting like a ve'omer, whereas I tell you all the time, we're looking for movement in life. David's one statement of where I want Shevet, the only place where I want dwelling and resting is Bevet Hashem, and that connectedness and that state of being like God.
And it says anything else that we imagine is goodness, anything we imagine is completeness. Sometimes the word tov, as in bayad Elohim kitov, means to be complete. So he's really talking about shelemut over here. He's interchanging it with tov. That's what the Torah does. Vayar Elohim et or kitov. Tov that was good. God is just deciding it's good with a big smile on his face. That looks good. That's bad. No, it's complete. In turn, that's his reference over here. Omnam. ha'adam hazot. In order to achieve Shilemut, in order to arrive at Devekut, it needs to be a mechanism, a way called Mitzvot. One last parenthetical point. In the context over here, he says the way to get there is Amelut, that's hard work, toiling. Hishtadlut biigio, working hard to achieve with your activity, with your energy, liknota, to acquire it. It's a word which maybe we become desensitized to, but to acquire an acquisition is not a simple word in this context. I acquire, what's that? Koneha kol is an important context. We have it already in Bereshit, but uh, the Elyon is Koneha kol. It's related to this, but not for the moment. Um, but Kinyan, we have Kinyan in many circumstances. The question always is, what does it mean to have a Kinyan? What is an acquisition? So when we think about it in financial terms, it means I just, I handed over money or something asset and I acquired something in turn. I ask you for example though, the first Mishnah, Masechet Kiddushin, it sounds very difficult for today's day and age, Ha'isha Niknet, a woman is acquired, she's acquired, you're acquiring her? I don't, I don't, we don't even do that we don't say we don't want to speak like that we're embarrassed to talk like that today so is the Mishnah should we be embarrassed about the Mishnah or is the word Kinyan to be alternatively understood differently the Mishnah in Perkei Avot in Perik Vav and Mishnah Vav says that the Torah is Niknet in 48 ways and the Torah the Mishnah goes on to describe the not much sleep and so on and so forth what's the Kinyan that we're referring to. I once read in the book Re'edeav, Rabbi Moshe Shapiro, I afterwards saw it in the book by uh, Rabbi David Foreman, his companion to Bereshit. They, he was a student of Rabbi Moshe Shapiro, so it makes sense that the Kinyan, uh, let's talk about in the financial world, in our regular world, when I buy something, generally speaking, it's because I believe I need it. I'm buying something to fulfill myself. You're going to say, no, no, but I sometimes know it's an excess. But you wouldn't be buying it if you didn't think it was, wasn't fulfilling something that's a part of who you are. I need the excess. I'm going to feel good. I don't actually need it, but it's good for me. You might not need it. You might not even want it. Generally speaking, you know, you might have a more expensive car than me, but for you in your life, that is part of what you believe or know to be your need. That's a kinyan, to envision then Torah in 48 ways that it's niknet, is to understand that I'm acquiring, I'm bringing something that's the other side of me into the equation. And then to, to understand the spouse in that respect is, is certainly simple. The Torah describes, to become complete, the Torah says, you need a spouse, you need to be together with someone else. In turn, the word kinyan is perfect. 
Here in this context as well, vishtadel bigi'ol liknotai, he's talking about a kinyan of devekut, that's who we are, if we're incomplete beings. If we're human beings in this world who are seeking and searching for completion, the best word with which we can describe that is one of kinyan. I want to fulfill my full sense. I want to come to a state of completion. I want to make a kinyan. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.